Arizona basketball puts themselves on probation. Judd Fish doing all the right moves. And uh, things looking pretty good across Wildcat land. This is the second of the uh, return of the podcast formerly known as the Wildcast. My working title may just be the Wildcat Sports Report, which used to be my old website. I'm Brad Alice, and thanks for listening. The uh, feedback to the first uh, podcast was very positive, so thank you all for checking it out. And uh, for many of you uh, passing it along, I've seen uh, several people follow me on on Twitter, which has been nice as well. So uh, for those of you who are new to this, thank you. For those who have been uh, longtime listeners, I really appreciate it as well. Uh, Once again, for those of you who have seen some of the tweets or who have heard, the plan is to do an audio podcast uh, solo. Um, In fact, I want to thank my, my lovely wife for buying me the a uh, new podcast microphone uh, for Christmas uh, as my time at 1290 has come to an end and uh, been doing a show with uh, Coach Jeff Skurin and, and Glenn Howell, former Wildcat, that may also be coming to an end. So my days of terrestrial radio may be over for the time being, uh, but the beauty of the Internet is you can put together an, a nice podcast and, and still get your message out for those who want to listen and enough of you do to make it worthwhile. So again, I thank all of you. Thank my friends over at All, all Sports Tucson who are also posting uh, these uh, podcasts. If you are getting it from my link and you haven't checked out All Sports Tucson, that's a website run by Javier Morales, Andy Morales, uh, the great Steve Rivera, and Anthony Jamino, among others. I don't want to leave out guys like Troy Hutchison and stuff. Uh, good group of guys. They do a lot of Wildcat coverage. Also do a lot of high school and youth sports in, in Tucson and the surrounding area. So if you haven't checked All Sports Tucson out, uh, please do. And uh, unlike some on the internet, um, I believe you should check out all the resources. So if you're a fan of of what Jason uh, Shear does over at 247, great. If you're a fan of what the guys at AZ Desert Swarm do, fantastic. If you're a fan of what they do over at the Rivals site, uh, fantastic. Um, The Star is a great resource. you got 1290. Uh, you got uh, Steve and his show over at 1450. So, so many great resources out there. Other blogs I'm probably missing if I am. I apologize. But again, I think the the more Wildcat news you can get and the more sources of information you can get, the better. And that's not always popular on the internet. But here we're recording this podcast about 11 o'clock on Tuesday night. The kids are sleeping, both of them on the couch. So if you hear some snoring, uh, that might be them. Or it might be Calvin the Wonder Dog, my 16-year-old terrier. Uh, Dakota, the doofus dog, is also around as well. So you may hear some pitter-patter of dog feet uh, as the home studio is essentially just the dining room. So let's start off with the the big news of last week, and that is Arizona basketball putting themselves on a a one-year postseason ban. And at first I was a little surprised by the move. I thought it was curious. Uh, But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I look at it and and talk to some people, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um... First and foremost, I think the timing is not a coincidence. Arizona coming off of uh, that pretty big win over Colorado, looking impressive right before they go on the Washington road trip. And with Arizona, I think at the time they were 6-1. and one. Now the, the, the postseason ban has some teeth. If Arizona was 3-3, three and three, if Arizona was uh, not playing particularly good basketball, there's, there's really no reason to give yourself a ban. And the NCAA would say, look, you guys weren't making the tournament anyways. But I think Arizona has proven that they're a legit tournament-type team, that they're going to contend uh, in the upper you know, three or four spots of the Pac-12. 
Um, so, you know, they're not a shoo-in necessarily for the tournament, but I think most people felt that they were going to make the tournament. So by uh, giving themselves the postseason ban now, um, there's a reason for it. You can say, look, we're legitimately uh, punishing ourselves. I think what's also nice about the timing is it does come in the COVID year. So in essence, you're penalizing the program, you're costing the program money, you're costing the program prestige, but you're not really hurting the players. Um, and, you know, if you're a senior, if you're Ira Lee or Terrell Brown, you can come back. And, and I think, you know, Sean Miller would be more than willing to, to bring those guys back. Um, it does not appear at this time that there's any surefire one-and-done players. Um, that could still happen. You know, you could see a guy maybe, maybe make a move. You could see one of these guys go back and play international basketball but in reality this isn't like last year's team where you had two or three guys you thought were going to turn pro and and what four or five seniors i mean that would have really hurt last year's team it doesn't hurt this year's team as much I mean, it still hurts obviously these guys want to play for the tournament a lot of the, you know terrell brown comes to arizona because he has a better shot of playing in the NSA tournament uh you know you have other guys trying to showcase their skills and then of course the dream of everyone who wants to play college basketball is to play in March Madness. So it does hurt, but it doesn't hurt as much as if you did it last year or even if you do it next year. Uh, I think the other thing I think Arizona is looking at, and some said, well, why even bother? There's going to be, I've heard people throwing around two, three, four years. Uh, just because Arizona has these level one charges, they, 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 that's they haven't been found guilty for them. And although level ones are completely serious, I'm not going to downplay that. Not all level ones are the same. Not everything Arizona is being accused of is the same or, or as bad as I think people thought when the, when the FBI probe began or the FBI results came and the arrest of, of Book Richardson. Um, talking to some people who were pretty familiar with the case, first and foremost, they believe that there's really nothing implicating the paying of players. Although we hear on those tapes, you know, Dawkins, I think Book to a lesser extent, talking about paying players. There's absolutely, from my understanding, again, this could be wrong, no evidence of money going or at least significant money going from coach to player, from agent to player. Um, and, and you say, Brad, what do you mean by significant? You know, wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that, you know, because from my understanding, Book... Richardson kept the money. He had some money problems, needed the money, uh, used the Javon Quinterly recruitment as a way to get more money sooner. Um, but again, Quinterly's never had to sit out. Quinterly, nothing ever has implicated Quinterly in this or any really other player uh, on from an Arizona standpoint. Uh, you know, Nasir Little, who was a guy who some people thought DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, a few other guys. No one has ever had to miss a game or sit out. Or had their eligibility. Only Brian Bowen, who again Arizona was involved with, but that was more of the Louisville side of things, ended up not playing college basketball because of the case. So there's really, from my again, from my understanding, from what I've been told, and this is not necessarily from people who have, have read the documents, but are familiar with the case. There's nothing that implicates Arizona in paying players, and certainly nothing uh, implicated of, of Sean Miller doing anything wrong on a recruiting or a uh, improper benefits perspective. There's nothing that, you know, there, there, there's, there's no uh, proof or, or even real evidence other than those two phone calls or three phone calls or whatever it is that says Sean Miller paid players or that any actually any players were paid. 
Um, all the charges, for, again, from my understanding, uh, against Sean Miller have to do with his overseeing of the program. The fact that you had two coaches essentially get in trouble. Not only Book Richardson being arrested by the FBI, uh, but Mark Phelps being implicated in two smaller things. There was the loan to Keanu Pender, and we can talk about that in a little bit, and uh, some, some charges that maybe he encouraged um, Sharif O'Neal uh, to take some, some classes that may not have been, uh, shall we say, academically strenuous. Again, from my understanding, there's actually nothing there to those charges. Um, and that, you know, Phelps actually uh, could possibly have looked at um, suing the university. So the the real punishments against Arizona are for lack of institutional control or more so a, a promoting a uh, compliance, a com- uh, an environment of compliance, um, promoting, you know, good uh, compliance procedures. Secondarily is the cooperation charge that Arizona did not hand over the uh, findings of the law firm that they hired to investigate themselves, although they testified to everything. They did not actually hand over those legal documents. And the fact that uh, Richardson and I believe Phelps as well did not uh, interview with Arizona. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So Arizona is going through this independent review board. And they believe because of that, because it's not the NCAA handing down judgment. It's, it's an individual board who are not part of the NCAA enforcement process. Um, think of it this way. It would be like uh, the NCAA is the prosecution, Arizona is the defense, and, and this indiv- uh, independent board is, is the jury. As opposed to, in other cases, the prosecution and the jury both worked for the NCAA. They were, they were somewhat separate, but not really. Um, so that's why Arizona is going through this process. So first and foremost, again, from my understanding, Arizona is saying, well, look, there's, there's nothing that implicates anyone involved in this program or, frankly, with the program in, in the improper payments of players. What we have is we have an assistant coach who, who broke the law, who by becoming a representative of a university that takes federal funds, uh, he took these improper payments. Uh, he kept them for himself. We understand he's, he went to jail. Frankly, his life is, is is in shambles, and we fired him upon uh, you know within within days of his arrest. But we understand that he broke the the law, broke the rules while employed by the University of Arizona. We accept that. Their belief is this um, failure to cooperate is, is is which is one of the level ones. I believe it might be a level two, but I believe it's level one. Is going to get thrown out. It's just they're going to say, look. We are under no obligation to turn over these legal documents. In fact, the, the documents created by our law firm is actually attorney-client privilege. But we, we still we, we cooperate. We, everyone employed by the university, all our players, most of the former players, who were they all interviewed with you. The only people who didn't were no longer employed by the university. And then that's where they're also going to argue that, look, Book Richardson was arrested. He broke the rules. We fired him. Mark Phelps had these two small small violations. We instantly removed him from the program and did not renew his contract, in essence firing him, although he collected a paycheck until the contract was up. Uh, but that was more to avoid void lawsuits um, than, than anything. He just wasn't rehired um, because most uh, assistant coaches at the University of Arizona are on a uh, one-year contract that just kind of auto-renews. Uh, 
Um, so then we say, look, we did that. And in fact, it's not lack of institutional control because not only does Sean uh, Miller and the rest of the, the department, they fill out all the proper logs, they do attend all the proper trainings, they make sure the employees down to the student managers are properly trained in NSA compliance. Uh, we've done everything we could except no, and they're, and they're going to show the unusual situation here. Um, that you know, Book Richardson and a few of these other uh, assistants across college basketball, whether it's uh, you know Oklahoma State or USC, they acted in a renegade fashion, you know, and 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 yes, they took money from this agent. But remember, this, this whole situation was unusual because normally that's not how the the game is played. Um, but. We all know now that the FBI was trying to entrap Dawkins. They were trying to entrap coaches. They were looking for head coaches. And that's going to be another important factor for Arizona here, that they're going to say, look, Sean Miller was never arrested. There was no case brought against him. He wasn't prosecuted. He wasn't arrested. Um, so that's going to be Arizona's case. I, they look at what's happened to other schools, some of the schools who are going independent, some who have the NCAA, and typically a one-year postseason ban has been the majority of the penalties. Um, my guess is that Arizona will face some other penalties, whether that will be a, a short suspension for Miller, whether that will be the loss of a, a couple scholarships, uh, loss of recruiting dates, uh, loss of days you can get out on the road to recruit. I think there will be further issues, but I seriously doubt that we're going to see a multi-year tournament ban. And for one reason is, again, I think some of these charges being levied by the NCAA is the fact that the NCAA is just mad at Arizona. They're mad that they were you know, brought up on these uh, charges by the FBI. They're mad that uh, you know Arizona, while cooperating, did not hand over these documents. But because it's going to be the independent review board and not the NCAA itself, I think some of these charges will either be lessened or completely dropped. Does, does Arizona face problems? Absolutely. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's not going to be enough where Sean Miller... Again, this is according to people in, in knowledge, is going to face any significant. He's not going to have a show cause where he can't coach, where you know another school can't hire him. Will there be a black eye in the program? Sure. Um, but let's be frank, with the exception of, of really Richardson taking uh, some of this money and, and some of these other small things, in reality, Arizona's not doing anything anyone else isn't probably doing. And what I mean by that is... I don't know. I would say this. I have been told, and covering college basketball since you know, recruiting since the late 90s, um, it's kind of been conveyed, if a player wants to be paid, he'll be paid. Generally, that means he either has an agent, a street agent, a shoe company uh, funneled through a shoe, uh, sponsored AAU team, occasionally a booster. But the rarest thing that you see is a program or even especially a coach paying players. It just, it happens, but it's rare because there are so many other avenues uh, that a player who wants to get paid can get paid. Uh, would I doubt uh, that, that players at Arizona 
have probably been improperly paid. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Just like I wouldn't be doubt that players at ASU or UCLA or Washington or Kansas. We know Kansas. They're implicated in all this. Uh, all the way to Gonzaga. It's even smaller schools, you know, instead of uh, a shoe company paying kids a lot of money or, or something. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a $20 handshake, something like that. But money exchanges hands in college basketball. But again, it's usually almost always not the school, not the coaches. It's some other entity within the realm of college basketball. I mean, you want to look at the, the, the Golden Boys. Uh, Kansas is having their uh, issue with the shoe company, uh, with Adidas representatives who've been caught up in all this. Um, you know, Duke has had their issues over the year, whether it's uh, the Myron Piggy Roll thing uh, back in, in, in the 90s, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the rumors that Zion Williamson wanted to be paid, whether it was Marvin Bagley's dad getting money uh, from Nike to run an AAU team, but, you know, suddenly getting a six-figure income, uh, to, to, you know, Lance Stevenson suddenly having enough money to open a jewelry store out of his apartment in Durham. Uh, I'm not making any of these up either. You can look all those up. So, you know, it it happens everywhere. Um, But, you know, you haven't seen a thing where the agents have been basically bribing a coach to try to find clients that has not happened before that we know of and again most of that is because the fbi was trying to entrap coaches so again kind of to wrap up my belief is arizona probably won't see any more than the one-year ban i think this will be an effective uh, tool but i also think it is likely that arizona will face additional penalties again i just don't my belief, and from what I'm being told, is no one really believes within the program or, or around the program that those penalties will be steeper in terms of postseason bans, or at least the odds are they won't. So the one-year gamble is worth it. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't mean that this independent review board won't uh, punish Arizona with a second year or third year. But the odds are they probably won't. And, and one reason for that is there have been very few multi-year uh, postseason bans by the NCAA. And certainly next to none, and I don't know if it's none, but next to none in the kind of modern era, 1980 plus, of a Power Five um, high major type school. Again, the NCAA seems to have it in for Arizona, as I think they're going to have it in for a few of these other programs. Uh, you know, I think Auburn, um, with Bruce Pearl's history, I think you could see some things uh, with, with some other programs. But for the most part, um, there's a lot of confidence around the Arizona program that the one-year self-imposed ban will be at least a good first step into putting this behind Arizona we, we we shall see you know who knows what other things could come to light but as of now there's a lot of confidence that way so Jed Fish uh, we're now about two weeks into his hiring I was uh, somewhat critical of the hire and not so much his credentials or, or but just how the process went down uh, you know the 7.5 million dollars that you had to basically pay Kevin someone because you could not afford uh, to go another season with him from a fan and, and revenue standpoint, only to hire a guy a lot of people had never heard of, were not enthusiastic about, and really felt, uh, right or wrong, but really felt was 
the school president's guy and not the athletic director's guy. Two weeks in, though, and so far, you know, if anyone follows me on Twitter, saw I had a, a multi-step plan, what I thought he had to do. And he's done most of it so far. He's become very engaged on social media. He has hired uh, some coaches with some name recognition, most notably uh, Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley. He has really shown a willingness, and granted, it's hard to do through through Instagram videos and in the COVID area, but to want to be a part of Tucson, um, whether it was, you know, showing his family uh, flying into town, whether it was uh, his interview with uh, Colin Cowherd, where he, you know, takes the computer and shows them uh, the palm trees and, and, and the mountains and, and things like that. Um, you know, he's, he's shown a willingness. He wants to open practice. He's, you know, having breakfast with Teddy Bruschi. He's reaching out to the alums. Uh, so, so far, so good from that standpoint. You know, his press conference was pretty good. He did a lot of name dropping. There was, you know, name dropping Adia Barnes and Mike Candrea and Dick Tomey and, and I think even Larry Smith. Um, again, he, he has won over some of the alums, not all of them, but some of the football alumni with the hiring of Chuck Cecil, with the hiring of Ricky Hunley. Uh, the rest of his staff is taking shape. Uh, what I like is he has, I think, no fewer than than four African-American coaches. He has uh, a coach of Polynesian roots. He has coaches with NFL experience. Uh, he has Pete Carroll's son joining the staff. He has uh, guys who are uh, in, in Doherty. Uh, his dad coaches at, 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 I believe it's Chandler High up in the the Phoenix area. Escoy, Arizona, has struggled to crack Um Sounds like Don Brown will be the new defensive coordinator. Uh, here's a guy who has had uh, uh, multiple top 10 nationally ranked defenses. Uh, but, you know, there, there's some questions too. You know, Don Brown, 65 years old. Ricky Hunley has been out of coaching for, for five years and has only really coached uh, a couple years uh, since the early 2000s at the college level. Chuck Cecil has never recruited. Um, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Scott Graham, the running backs coach, has never coached. Um, he's former NFL running back. Um, so, so there are some questions. You have a lot of guys with the NFL experience, but, but have not recruited in a while. Um, they still have to fill a few spots. There's, I think there's really only one coach left and either it'll be a linebackers coach or a special teams coach or, or some combination thereof. But, you know, you look at some of the hires, you, you've got, uh, the wide receiver coach who comes from San Jose state, who's done a remarkable job. Uh, on uh, ironically enough, Brent Brennan's staff. You have Dwayne Walker, who is the NFL and college experience uh, as the cornerbacks coach. You've got those alums. You've got you know coaches of color, um, and he and he's already struck twice on the recruiting trail. Um, two Northwestern transfers who also happen to be uh, Phoenix area kids from I believe they're both Chandler High kids. Uh, Northwestern safety Gunnar Maldonado has announced his transfer to Arizona. Uh, Northwestern running back Drake Anderson, whose dad played for the Cardinals, also coming uh, to Arizona. So those are nice moves. Um, while several players have announced their intentions to transfer, most notably about half the receiving core, uh, defensive lineman J.B. Brown and Trevor Mason have both confirmed they'll return. Uh, so a lot of uh, good things happening with the program. There's still a long way to go. This you know this program is. 
probably still needs to add one or two quarterbacks. We've talked about how Doyle and Plummer are back, but the, neither of those guys are sure things. Uh, you still have to round out the staff. You still have to, you know, I think they now have room. I think with the addition of the two transfers, they have 17 of the 28 they can add. So most of their recruiting or a lot of their recruiting is going to have to be keeping guys home. You know, can you, can you keep Lopez and the other graduate uh, defensive linemen home? Can you maybe get a Jean Wright? Um, back into the into the fold can you uh you know can, can you continue to can you bring in uh clay millen uh things like that because you know right now you, you know you've lost barry hill you look like you're going to lose drew dixon even though right he was on twitter on tuesday still trying to find a home uh more than likely uh jamari joiner is gone um, more than likely, you know, Gary Brightwell has declared for the for the NFL draft. So there, there's some big holes to fill, uh, but there's still some good, interesting, intriguing bodies there. But, you know, Arizona is still a ways to go from being where they need to go and want to be, but they at least m- appear to be more interesting um, than they at least were a year ago, and that's a credit to Jed Fish and what he's trying to do. Uh, last few things before we move on. Uh, congratulations to Adia Barnes, even though they lost to the number one team in the nation. Uh, they stay in the top ten. And they landed uh, Kaylin Gilbert. Uh, she's the number six guard, number 18 overall prospect in the 2022 class. Uh, she was considering a whole host of uh, SEC and ACC schools. And uh, some have said that she is going to be the highest rated uh, recruit or at least the second highest, I believe Kate Reese may have been higher, depending on what service. And I'm not as familiar with uh, women's basketball recruiting as I am men's basketball recruiting. Uh, but she was the uh, one of the Florida 3A player of the year, 32 points, 11 rebounds as a 5'8 scorer. So again, a big addition to Adia Barnes, who has recruited uh, fantastically uh, so far. Going to finish this out. Uh, this one's running a little longer than normal. I'm going to switch gears to the NFL. The NFL playoffs start uh, this weekend. As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, really excited that they have the bye. They have a chance to heal up. Although the Chiefs have not been super impressive of late, uh, they're still beating teams and beating good teams. Um, you know, whether it's uh, Tampa Bay, whether it's uh, New Orleans. Uh, they, they've played some good football and done so with a patchwork offensive line. So that's getting a little overlooked by the national media. But w- one thing I do want to weigh in on is there's the big controversy for Philadelphia and what they did uh, in the Sunday night game against uh, Washington. As, as most of you know, uh, Washington needed to win to make the playoffs if they lost to the Giants, uh, a team I do actually like. Um, would have gotten in. And the Eagles, in the fourth quarter, pulled starting quarterback Jalen Hurts and brought in Nate Sudfeld. And a lot of people were up in arms. Uh, A lot of people have called it tanking. A lot of people believe uh, that they were basically throwing the game so that they could uh, move up to the number six pick. And, you know, they've talked about integrity of the game. and, And I will say this. I am not going to argue with anyone that Jalen Hurts gave the Eagles a better chance to win than Nate Sudfeld. But let's pump the brakes a little bit. Jalen Hurts was, I believe, 7 of 20 with a pick. Now, he did have two rushing touchdowns 
fantastic. He did have the Eagles in the game. But it wasn't like you pulled a quarterback who was 15 of 20 with two touchdowns. Um, you know, if he had handed off the ball on one of those touchdown runs, and again, that's an if, we may not be having this conversation. If Carson Wentz was 7 of 20 with a pick, even with a couple rushing touchdowns, I don't think a lot of people would be complaining. But I think because the logical move in that game is let's see what Jalen Hurts has in a pressure situation. Uh, it makes sense because, again, he gave the Eagles a better chance to win than Nate Sedfeld does, and it doesn't help that Sedfeld was a disaster in stretches. Um, you know, Pete Doug Peterson, the, the head coach there, has basically said, we wanted to see what he did. We wanted to reward the guy. He hasn't thrown a pass in a couple years. Um, you know, you could argue that maybe they were trying, if he had a good performance, boost some trade value if they do decide to go in next year with with both Hertz and uh, Carson Wentz. Some have speculated that the front office basically told him, hey, we really don't want you to win this game. We want that higher draft pick. Whatever it is, you know, no one is critical when a team doesn't play their starters. The Chiefs didn't play their starters. The Steelers didn't really play their starters. Um, Buffalo pulled their starters midway through the game. And again, because your goal is to win a championship. Um, but do, do the Eagles really, do they owe the Giants a 100% effort uh, when it would hurt their team long-term? I mean, the difference between the 6th pick and the 10th pick, it, it can be significant depending on, you know, who's available in the draft. Again, it wasn't like Hertz was playing great. He was playing fine. He, you know, they scored 14 points, and he, I think, scored both touchdowns. But in reality, he was not having a good passing night. And at the end of the day, do you really feel sympathy for a six-win team trying to make the playoffs? I just don't think it's as big a deal as if you had pulled, um, again, let's say Hertz was, was 15 of 20 with two touchdown passes in the pick. Or you would pulled, you know, uh, a legitimate big time. You know, if, if, let's say, Buffalo had pulled their starter and another team needed Buffalo to win, which they kind of did. It actually helped put it. You know, some teams in the playoffs. But, again, not as big a deal as I think many think. And finally, for, for those of you who follow me on Facebook may have heard, or maybe if you listened on 1290 over the summer when I was on with Mike Luke, after 14 years I came out of roller hockey retirement to play goalie at age 47, have had some ups and downs, have already suffered three pretty pretty good injuries, a groin pull, a hamstring pull, and a, a pretty nasty black eye from where a, a slap shot hit my cage. I play goalie and... Um, gave me a good black eye and, 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 and destroyed my, my helmet, had to go buy a new helmet. Well, this weekend, I uh, went to go make a save, sprawled out on the ground, and one of the skaters on the other team shoved my defenseman into me. Uh, it hurt a little bit, but what really hurt is my 14-year-old coho goalie stick broke, shattered. Coho, which was purchased years ago by, and is now a defunct company, so you can't find them anymore. And, and really, it wasn't a great stick. It was it was a cheap big five one, but it's a brand. I really like Coho, and it was broken. But shout out to Wes Taylor, who who I think is listening, for having my back and, and, and uh, getting ready to drop the gloves to protect his goalie, who was having a mediocre at best game. So Brad's midlife crisis hockey comeback uh, up and down. Uh, or is that my good friend Esteban Torres would say, Brad, hang them up, but I'm not. Hey, we'll be back next time. We got a lot more football to break down. We'll have some more basketball 
uh, maybe talk about some of these young freshmen and some of these young players on the basketball team, including a really impressive pair of wings, Ben Mathurin and, and Dallin Terry. But until then, thanks for listening. Again, have told you we're going to try and get a couple of these a week. Eventually, we'd like to get the old 1290 gang back, either for an audio podcast or maybe even like a, a YouTube streaming show. But until then, thanks for listening. Tell your friends and bear down.